Welcome to My Parents' House, a podcast for reminiscing about your hometown to remind you why you left. I'm Annie Lloyd, and this time, my guest is Zach Madden. Hello, Zach. Hello. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Good. I like that tagline. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's your hometown? Where are you from? I am from a place called Columbia, Maryland, or Howard County, Maryland. Why would you self-identify with both? Well... Technically, where I grew up was in Columbia, but it was sort of on the edges of it. It was like a neighborhood sort of in the edges of it. And Howard County encompasses like a larger area that Columbia is inside of. So I guess like most of the things I did when I grew up were like in Columbia, like my Hebrew school is in Columbia, my high school is in Columbia and things like that when I was like younger, you know, all my schooling. Yeah. But I kind of lived sort of like on the edge of it a bit, like the heart of it where sort of like all the sort of community centers and things like that were, were a little bit further from like the neighborhoods, the neighborhood that I grew up in. Got it. Today. So like Columbia's, is it because all of the cities in Howard County are small enough that you would need to like source out into other parts of the county? Because like you're not from either LA or LA County because LA County's massive. Like you right. can identify with just, like I don't say I'm from either Kansas City or Jackson County. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, everything's just so spread out. It's like they all sort of bleed into one another. They're not really distinctive in the way that maybe your hometown is in like the different sections. I mean, it, they're named different things, but they're not like, it was all built to essentially be like one big unit like yeah. when it was designed and so everything's sort there everything's very spread out and it all sort of feels the same for the most part yeah it, does it feel rural suburban urban like what's the yeah it's very strange because it is such a mix between suburban and rural like mm -hmm. very much so. like um i never felt like i grew up in like a farm town or anything like that and it's, it's not really but if you look around there are farms all around you like like there's a 500 acre farm, like five minutes from where I grew my house, where I grew up. And like, there's like a number of them. And it, some of them have been bought and people have built like houses on them for like decades now. Um, and I think it's increasingly people are selling off their farms and um, people who are like building houses, developers are coming in and putting houses up. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very strange mix between suburban and rural and suburban in the sense that because when I think of suburban, I just have this idea of these neighborhoods where everyone kind of knows each other in the neighborhood and like houses are kind of close together and it's very much like a neighborly thing. And that's not what it was where I grew up at all. Everything was really far away from each other? Relatively. I mean, like the houses in the neighborhood I grew up were on like, were like three acres sort of apart from each other. And we didn't like know, like my parents knew the names of our neighbors and we were friends with like one or two families in the whole neighborhood, but we didn't, people don't, you don't really see people out that much. Like No, like neighborhood kid games, no. like playing dodgeball in the streets. Not at all. Man, I just described my own personal experience. We yeah. played a lot of dodgeball. I'm like kind of fascinated by that way of growing up. I mean, there, I'm, there definitely were neighborhoods in Maryland and even in Columbia where that there was there were some neighborhoods that were much a uh, much tighter knit sort of area but sort of the section that I grew up in I don't really think there was much of that at all like you if like I had one friend at a time generally that it would be in my neighborhood that I would see like I guess every day because it was the only person that was around yeah within like <laughs> walking or biking distance like you couldn't go anywhere else 
friendship just by proximity. Yeah. But like not that close of proximity. That's why But then that makes it a strong friendship, right? Because you guys make the effort to transcend this weird distance every day. (laughs) It was it was close enough that you could walk there and it would be like it would be a somewhat of a schlep. But not far enough that, that you'd like, you have to have it. your mom drive you. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know that. But so, they're, they're good people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> We're not shit-talking yeah. the neighbors in Columbia, Maryland. Shout out to Logan if you're listening. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about, because you were briefly touching on the fact that all of the county is like meant to be a large group of spaces. And Columbia is a planned community. Yeah. So it's didn't it just turn 50 or just turn 60 or something as a city? Do you know? Um, I don't. Someone can it Google in the 60s. Listening. Yeah. Like, so it, I think. Yeah. I think next year it, it'll be. Will, 50. Yeah. And so it was planned. The whole thing was designed to be a self subsisting little city economy. Sort of. It was. Yes. It was meant to be kind of a play so there's a guy named james rouse who like i until very recently hadn't even been like that interested i had no idea that this place had the history that it had or that it was um different in any way from like how most communities are set up i really had to have you know had an idea that most communities were set up in this way but this guy named james rouse who i like i said really only knew because his name is on like a community center where I grew up and I thought he was just some guy who donated or something, but designed this community as a way of having, he wanted 10 distinct villages. And the idea was that these villages would be a way of like people sort of coming together to like be able to live in a place that could better their lives in some way. So like there's community centers and there's a what's called the Columbia Association that runs events and sort of they basically run this like giant shopping. Like James Rouse was famous for designing in- indoor shopping malls. And so there we have like sort of the center of our town is this big shopping mall, which is where you spend all of your time. Did you go on a first date at this shopping mall? Uh, I had... I didn't go on a lot of dates, Andy, but when I did, the few I've been to were essentially all at the mall because there was nowhere else to go. Was there like a cool corner of the mall and a nerd corner of the mall? No, there was, well, I don't know. Did it transcend socioeconomic barriers? Maybe I was in the nerd corner and I didn't know. You didn't know there was a cool corner? There's a food court and that's like the heart of the mall. Yeah. Was there an Orange Julius? I feel like that's emblematic of 90s mall food courts. Yeah. I think that's more of a Southern thing. It was in Missouri. I guess Missouri is kind of the South, but it's also the Midwest. Dylan and I, in our previous episode, discussed the semantics of the South versus the Midwest because he's from Arkansas and he's Mm. like, I'm the South, but people call it the Midwest. And Missouri is the Midwest, but it also feels like the South sometimes. But that's tangential to the Orange Julius point. Right. What was the best food in the food court? Well, I guess it's sort of a point of contention. I would say the best food is this place that makes chicken teriyaki. It's like the only one. There's not a chain or anything, and it's been there forever. And what's kind of great about it that every food court has, it's not special about this food court, but they all give out samples. And so when you were little and you didn't want to like buy a lunch, you could just run back and forth to all the food courts and get like basically fill up on samples, which I have such fond memories of just getting as (laughs) as many little food, tiny little bites of foods on sticks as I could and like filling my tiny Belly. That's usually how I eat a meal at a farmer's market. Right. Um, malls are so I'm I go to malls and feel mainly depressed mm. now. 
But it is interesting that they held such cultural and economic power for so long. But now there are like abandoned malls everywhere. Yeah. Like Hawthorne Plaza out here is going to get raised to be a new version of the Grove for wow. the South Bay. Rest in peace, abandoned malls. Yeah. Um, Ours is still going very strong. It's going strong. Yeah. And it hasn't, I don't know that there is ever, I mean- I don't know if I would have known, but there, I don't think there's ever a time where it wasn't like thriving because it was sort of the pulse of everything commerce where I grew up. Yeah. So talk more about, yeah, we kind of veered off oh, topic. About, well, there's other kind of crazy things about James Rouse that I didn't Ooh, get to touch on. Divulge, please. His grandson is Edward Norton, the famous Whoa! Hollywood movie star. No way. Who went to a high school. By me, grew up in a high, I, which I didn't know until oh, very recently. Cool, Edward Norton, mega went to, Hollywood star. Yes, went to Wild Lake and is still somewhat involved with the idea of community building that his grandfather set up. Like he, he talks about, he he was had a talk at Harvard and he talked about the legacy of James Rouse and like how he has still been a part of sort of the associations that he established in that sort of vein, which I think is kind of fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And and. James Rouse was a guy who very early on in Frank Gehry's career hired him to, and I just learned this today, to design two of our buildings in Columbia. And like, there's some of the earliest Frank Gehry building contracts. And one of them- Is his style in those early, does it match at all what his yeah. prominent style would turn out to be? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's really interesting. He he did a firehouse that's in Columbia right by the mall, of course. And another building right by the mall, there's also a lake that is sort of, planned community was sort of sex centered around this lake. And that's where the mall is. And that's where so the, these storefronts are and some other places. Um, he designed a building there that was supposed to be a an event exhibit center, which has recently been turned into a Whole Foods. So, oh, there it goes. <laughs> so that you know is uh, good for me. I never went to the exhibit center. I don't even know it was in there. But it's a it's a cool building. I mean, that's just a kind of a cool fact that. Wait, 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 wait. So a Frank Gehry building is now just a Whole Foods. Oh yeah, hundred percent, all a Whole Foods. It's a big building too. Where did they? I'm gonna have to look up what this looks like. Yeah, because I could show I you. I can't think of where the sign would be on like a Frank Gehry like undulating wall. Well, it's it's definitely it's not undulating like you're thinking like like the okay. like the Walt Disney. He, he didn't wait. Yeah, he did yeah. Disney. Yeah, it's not it's not that undulating. <laughs> it's very boxy, but it like it definitely has Frank Gehry tones to me. All right, people listening, we just did a Google search and oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Look it up. It is white colored and has various like negative space and sort of is a Tetrisy thing. I am not an architecture right. critic There's as we are learning <laughs> right now. But it's wild. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool that that we have that, and I never, I took it for, I, you know, yeah. took it for granted for all the years that I. That's pretty cool. It's, that. I looked up um, planned communities in general, and two other ones uh, popped out at me. One being my home neighborhood is also a planned community, and I didn't know this. The country club area of Kansas City, which sounds so bougie, and I'm, yeah, I have to reckon <laughs> with the fact that I think I'm from a really bougie part of Kansas City, but I'm from Brookside, which is like the less bougie part of it, like four blocks north are these mansions. Clubs. Well, there's. A country club. Well, there's a country club church at the end of my block, and it's the country club Christian church. Oh. <laughs> and then, but like on the Kansas side, there are more actual country clubs, but basically it's this 
big part of central residential Kansas City. Um, and it's just like a super idyllic single family homes in with varying sizes. Like the s- most southern end of the neighborhood are the smaller ones. And as you go further north, they get bigger. And also as you go further west, they get bigger. So it just kind of grows out like the- I'm now realizing as I'm describing it, how much it actually feels planned. And there are like three different kind of shopping commerce centers in the area. There's like Brookside shopping area, which is where I'm from and where the frozen custard place that I worked at in high school (laughs) is located. And then there's like the Prairie Village Shopping Center, which I think is still technically considered part of the area. And like the plaza is just north of it. So we're both from planned communities. I would assume a lot of, I mean, maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's because I grew up in this, but I would assume a lot of communities have to be planned in some way or else it's just an improvised community. Well, there's a difference between like subdivisions, which are planned. But the thing about planned communities is that they both have the residents and the economic infrastructure in order to exist. So technically, and like a city, it's a planned community is basically just a micro city, an attempt at making a micro city. Right. Like you have to pay to like, we had to like, like if you live there, you have to pay to the Columbia Association and things like that. Yeah. I don't know if there are country club neighborhood fines in Kansas City, but there might be. But the other one that struck me is Irvine, California. I don't know if you know the history of Irvine, but it basically was a ranch that was owned by the Irvine family. And then I think in the 70s, they decided to divest and sell all of their things. And so within like five years, like UC Irvine started, all of these houses were built, all of this infrastructure and economy was built, and it completely ballooned as a community. But Irvine, in what it is now, has only been that way for about 40 years. Um, And it was all because the family that owned the ranch was like, this is going to turn into a planned community. Basically there's a Joan Didion is a really good short essay on it. Um, I was thinking about these also because this type of planned community is so different from like the usual stereotype of a planned community, which is like a communist collectivist bunker or whatever, which is a far cry from like a self-sustaining micro capitalist. Here's your home. Here's where you work. Here's where you go to school. Here's where you shop type of thing. Did you, what is like the, could you describe the like general political slant of your planned community? Does it feel apolitical? Does it feel heavily right, heavily left? Well, I mean, it's hard to tell because I was always surrounded by very liberal people. Like, like my family is a lot of the people my family like hung out with where I think it's just like similar views and things like that. It's really hard to tell. I think like more and more after this election that like, I'm so sick of hearing people talk about, but like you kind of learn about people's like political leaning much more than you would in any other election. So I'm starting to think it was much more like there was a lot more right leaning. You know, it's a community. It's a but pretty that, affluent But that community, doesn't necessarily so. bleed into like the actual experience of interacting with the city. No. See, the thing about where I grew up, it was like things were so kind of like close to the chest. Like people didn't really talk. It, like it was it was a very strange like the idea that the houses were sort of isolated from one another is like I don't know if it played into it or if that's why people like living there is because everything is very like singular it, it feels it feels like much more like everything's like people really don't talk about stuff that much in so, maryland so like does it seem like people go in order to like create their own little oasis yeah kind of sort yeah. of i mean and therefore not have to interact with other people or i mean i mean in some ways or another it's just it, it or is it just the chance to hide stuff i guess so i mean every every family unit was very sort of isolated from 
the other, like another. And mm-hmm. it feels very different on the West Coast. I mean, seemingly that it's a lot more inter- interconnected and that people are a lot more open about things. I find on the East Coast and particularly in Maryland where I have like actual, like I know, like I sort of like lived it and felt it, that things are much more guarded there. So like I talked about politics with my family sometimes and like things like that. And like, if we wanted to talk about something, it wasn't like a closed topic, but it really wasn't something I don't remember really my family having that many like big political discussions with other people or like, you know, it it was just, I don't know. It was just sort of somewhat taboo to bring up those things. Is it, is it taboo? Is it just politics were taboo or just like anything outside the generally accepted? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of that, kind of that, like, like looking back, people being gay was like a crazy thing. It was like, like people were absurdly closed off to even like talk about these things for like a really long time. They're like awful stories about kid, you know, a kid came out in high school and his parents like kicked him out of the house. He had nowhere to stay. It was yeah. like, and that wasn't like uncommon. It was like this insane. And no one would talk about it. So it was sort of like, was, did it feel like the community was living two different lives or was it just so well guarded that it didn't even feel like this other world was happening? Was it like everyone knows the secrets, but no one's talking about them or literally no one knew the secrets? People kind of knew, but it wasn't something you just you, like people just didn't talk about it. Like it was, I don't know, it was a little creepy at times. Like there was like all this sort of, it just felt like there was a lot of stuff that people wouldn't talk about. Yeah. Like it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I grew up a lot of my life <laughs> being pretty freaked out. By like, well, in particular, my house and also just like the community because it was so sort of isolated. It was like, I just remembered that you live near where the Blair Witch Project was filmed, correct? Well, I live in the same state. It wasn't like <laughs> that close to the woods, although I I live very close to where the serial podcast the actually just it's just the podcast was there nothing yeah else. the serial podcast was there <laughs> yeah where Haley min hey min lee oh my god edit that out please <laughs> was murdered and or murdered yeah murdered, but it's, like if, the if location it was Jared, not well the, the location question. is not quite clear yeah. and either way it wasn't far from where i grew up you know i was like i've, I've always been like a like a scared person i guess and so i like I, I generally like look into things that will like freak me out way more and you can look it up cold cases from the town that you like you grew up in which i did <laughs> What are some of the scariest? Well, there's one in particular, like every like town has this, but the thing about Maryland, the thing about especially Howard County is because everything is so, like in Columbia is everything is so kind of like guarded and like, cl- like people don't really talk about these like crazy, like things that have happened that like reading about these things is even more scary because like one of them is there's a cold case of a, a, a murder of this woman named Lainey Lynn McGainey. And what a name. I know. Lainey McGainey. I know. But um, it says uh, her nickname is Linda in here. So it would be Linda McGainey. But she was 28 years old and she was murdered and they never captured, they never found the person who murdered her. But the How long w- ago was this? In 1982. But the one thing they do have is a voice recording of somebody calling the police and giving very specific road directions to find the body and then hanging up. That's terrifying. And so on the Howard County, Maryland website, they have for the police department, they have a list of cold cases. And one of the things is you can listen. They put the recording online. And if you know the voice, you should call in and give them a tip. (laughs) 
Oh my god. But it is really frightening because the guy is saying all these roads that I know. And he's like, he's like, drive up 32, which is a major highway that runs through the state of Maryland, but you know, also, you know, cuts right through the center of Howard County in Columbia. And, you know, just tells you to go to all these places. And then he's just like, look over the edge there, and that's where you find it. And then he hung up. And that was it. Oh my God. Have you driven the route? No, 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 that, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) A fun Christmas trip. (laughs) No, that's, that's really awful. It's, uh, it's really, I don't know. It freaks me out. The community was built. Also, with the idea that nature would be a big part of the community, like That's it, cool. it would be integrated into the community. And so a lot of the neighborhoods and the area is built around, like I said, like the lake or the woods. So the woods, the wood, the woods. <laughs> so like I grew up perpetually afraid that, you know, there was things in the woods all the time around my house. Like the darkness in Colombia feels way darker than most places. <laughs> It's just really dark, you know? <laughs> I believe you. Well, if there if there's that much um, separation between all the houses, it would literally make things darker because there's little light pollution. Oh, there's nothing. And there's no, like, there's no street lights in my neighborhood. Those don't exist. So it, it's like, it, it's very strange because- When you were younger, sleeping in your home- Terrifying. Hearing voices, hearing, not voices, hearing little pitter-patter. Oh, it's horrible. Just little critters. It freaks me out now. I mean- when I go home now, it freaks me out. I don't like to be the last one awake. Like, I don't like to be... Knowing wa- that you have the consciousness that is a key to whether or not people survive the murder. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if it runs that deep. There's just something about Columbia and my neighborhood and my home in particular that just is like really sort of freaky. There's something kind of chilling about it. I don't know what it is. I can't really put my finger on Was it. Was there a certain part of your house in particular that creeped you out? You thought maybe it was haunted, like a corner, a drawer? No, no I, I think it would have been comforting if I knew there was one place I shouldn't go. You know what I mean? Because then you could just funnel all your anxiety into that one place yeah, as long as you avoided yeah, it, don't, you were safe. Like, yeah, don't go into the TV room. That but, would suck as yeah. a child. <laughs> no, but no, but fine. But like then I would, then it would be okay. But it was, no, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like any one thing in particular that freaked me out. And there was never really like an instance, you know, sometimes we would have false alarm. We have an alarm in our house. Sometimes we'd have like false alarms and that would, you know, really freak me out. I just realized if you guys all live so far away from each other, how'd you trick or treat on Halloween? Well, it's yeah. I mean, it was like a, you just had to walk. My dad and my brother and I would just Well, but then you'd hit what? Four houses? No, I mean, you'd hit- You'd hit chump Halloween. You'd, you'd hit, you know, 10 houses and some of them would leave out big candy bars and you get enough. 10 houses? Well, you know, that more, makes me so sad. Depending on how old you are. I mean, you d- definitely don't hit like 40 houses. Like there's just no way. Damn. But That's you, like four blocks in a compact residential. Oh, yeah, yeah. Community. It was not You're like, like just shuffling through. Got to get all the Kit Kats. All the Reese's. I know, but some of my best memories are Halloween with like my dad and my brother. We'd all walk out. Did you guys ever have coordinated costumes? Me and my brother? No. No, all three of you. No, no, that would have been nice. Yeah. What were your Halloween costume highlights as a kid? Well, I was, (laughs) I was almost always Dracula when I was a little boy. I really liked that and it looked good on me. Um, uh, my one year, I don't know why I did this, but I guess it was pretty adventurous in first grade. I went as a woman to school and I wore my mom's heels and, a and dressed up in a dress. Damn. For the and I, quiet I, county. I fucking Howard rocked county. it. Yeah. 
you really transcended some barriers. I know. I know. I, part of it was just, I think I was fascinated with the idea of spending a day in heels and just it would being okay. So, But you would have had tiny feet. I guess your mom's pretty My short, mom has small like, feet too. How If you were in first grade, you wouldn't be wearing like a size five women's shoe. Like your feet couldn't have been that big. Well, I don't know. Maybe she, maybe we got had smaller shoes. I don't know how it worked. I don't remember. This is also beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like can't fathom. But yeah, I mean, there was a, the, another part of it that I, the reason I loved Halloween so much is that, you know, you always see in these cartoons, the trees that are like, like the trees come to life and they like move yeah. and they just like grab the kids and you never see them again. But whatever, or like in like Charlie Brown's Halloween, like the atmosphere sort of felt in those cartoons, like it was in sort of like real life like because of all the trees that were out there and it was cold and like, it was just, there was that weird darkness. There's like a weird blue darkness, right? You know, just before it gets yeah. dark, but there's something like very reminiscent of my hometown with that. That I don't know. There's some all combined. There's something really cool about that. I'd say I'm afraid. I, like I do say, like I was scared of my hometown at, at times, but I really loved it. Like it was especially like my home. There was something like even though at night it like really freaked me out, and, but that was like kind of part of the whole thing. There's something about, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way that about the like you have because I grew up there since I was one in that house. So like that's all I ever remember is the same place. Yeah, and so there's this one sort of box with all these like memories and, and sort of moments packed into it. And there's something really kind of amazing. Are there, is there like a spot in your house that you can see as sort of like a demarcator of your own trajectory as a person? Like you always remember like your height in relation to it, or mm. like you remember like using that room for different things as you grew older or something. Yeah, we have a little, like, we have a fireplace in our, like, living room. And I would, sp I spent, like, probably many years of my life in front of that thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that sort of location is really, and also the kitchen table was, like, a big, big. Did your family usually eat in the kitchen instead of in a dining room or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless we had like special, unless we had people over, we never ate in the dining room. It was yeah. always in the kitchen. And every night I ate with my whole family. And so, I mean, probably that spot even more. And we all had our same our seats that we always had. Yeah. And so sort of probably the that the seat that I sat in, which was like sort of an oval table. And it was like the end of the table and the, the like skinny end of the oval. Yeah. That was my end. And I always sat there and I still, when I go home, I sit there nice. like all the time. And that is sort of the spot. I think. Do you, does your family have like specific kitchen traditions of like meals, certain mm -hmm. meals that you make every year or something Um, mm, or a particularly think. iconic family meal? My mom makes latkes every Hanukkah at least once. She makes them out of a box. So it's not like she makes them like herself, but she is a good cook. I'm not like shitting on my mom, but Hey, Zach's mom, uh, <laughs> you want to check this out? Uh... I, I love you, mommy. <laughs> Um, no, but there's something about those that like was very comforting, comforting and like sort of special about that time of year. I don't know if there's anything really, cause my, my, both my parents are really good cooks, but my mom put a lot of effort in, into like making a lot of different stuff. So yeah, I think probably just the latkes, the box of latkes. Did you mainly learn how to cook with your mom in that kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think cause my, my mom had Thursdays off. Um, she worked, she worked full time, but she had Thursdays off and, and the weekend sometimes. And, and so on Thursdays she would, she lo really loved to, she really loves to cook. And so she would like kind of do a big meal on Thursdays and we would, she would start cooking at like four o'clock in the afternoon or something. And then I would help her if I was home or like, 
out of school and things like that. And that was really kind of a pivotal thing for me to le- like learning how to cook and like learning to love cooking and what it sort of meant. That was Thursdays were kind of a big thing. For me. Is there, is there any sort of like Madden philosophy of cooking? Mm. Like, do you guys prize certain things more than others or? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, like, like I'm big into ingredients, like making sure like you can't can get the best ingredients you can and like, you know, source them from the best places. And I don't think my parents really care about that <laughs> so much. Um, I mean, I think they've started to, they've started to get more into it, but they won't touch that Whole Foods. Like, you know, like. They won't go into the Gary building? No, no, and- no, no. It's something nice to look at, but they don't want to go in it. Are there good farmers markets in Columbia? There, well, because there are so many farms, there are a lot of you know stands that go out or community sustained agriculture programs CSAs. Um, and my parents do do those, so like that, you know, like they shop at the Giant, but they also do like the CSA stuff. Wait, the Giant? Oh, so the Giant is like the food chain, the big super, the super market, and it's just called the Giant. It's called Giant. G- I-A-N-T, a giant. Yeah, but then you get to say, I'm going to shop at the giant. Yeah. That's... Is that weird? No, it's amazing. Oh. <laughs> Why don't we get to say that about every grocery store? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. That's that's what people say. But it doesn't... It doesn't. When you grow up in Columbia, it, when you say, I'm shopping at the giant, it doesn't... You don't think of, I'm shopping at this corporate market. You think... Oh, I'm shopping at this place. I've been to a million times. No, no, I don't mean giant in terms of like a giant corporation. I mean like literally, like a giant, <laughs> yeah, like Hagrid. Yeah. Like it. Oh, seems sure. Fun. Yeah, to I'm going. Have the idea yeah, I'm that going to like, the giant today. Yeah. Or it's right next to our high school. So after school, I'm going to chill at the giant or yeah. with the giant. Yeah, that sounds so fun. Our grocery store was called Price Chopper. Oh, which yeah, is that's so a pretty boring. Boring in Midwestern. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wait, let's talk about high school more. Ooh, so okay. what? What would you categorize the overarching social rules and expectations of your high school? And also, was it public or private? Public. And are there any private schools? There are. There. I went to um, one year of private school in kindergarten. Because and then you were like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> I said, I can't deal with it. No, it was only because I said my parents work full time and it was the only public school it was only half day. Oh, yeah. And so it just was the, the what worked. So, but my parents moved from a place called Laurel, Maryland, um, from a townhouse that had, there was really bad schools, public school systems there. And Columbia in particular has some of the top public school systems in the US. Damn. So that's why they moved there when I was one and my brother was three is so that we could go to school in public school. And so I was actually really lucky because it was a really good public school system. So the, I mean, I guess what kind of specifics do you want to know about the I don't know. Social- I'm always fascinated by public high schools because I did not have a public high school experience mm. and my knowledge of them is strictly from media. Really? Yeah. And I always want to know the degree to which it's like defined by clicks and lockers and hanging out in parking lots. Okay. Well, you must've had all three of those things at private school. Well, we had clicks, but they were weird. We didn't have lockers cause we lived at school oh, and yeah. parking lots. There was one parking lot, but it was like across the street. <laughs> so you really had to walk there to hang out. So we yeah. would like hang out on the lawn. So the answer is, okay. So the answer is yes. Oh, to all three of those things in spades, we had lots of lockers. That's where you put your stuff. I had lockers in middle school, but like there's something about like, it's because we didn't have full length lockers. Our lockers were all half lockers. So there was either like the bottom locker or the top locker. Right. And that was like a point of contention 
for a lot of people, I think. But the idea of having like a full locker, like with your lock and your. Oh, yeah. You decorate it and stuff. Yeah. For sure. That's like a big thing. The first day of school, you go in, you do whatever you got to do to your locker. You get it right. And you shape up and yeah, you show you up. You put on your bomber jacket. You slick back your hair. Right. And some, you wear maybe your Converse. Just, and- right, right. So, so yes. By the way, so River Hill is a big, not big. We didn't have much going on. So the football was sort of a big thing. That's sort of like this public school football deal. And they would play the other high schools. Right. Football, you can't escape no, it. No, no, no. It's no. And people, in every community. People loved it there. And it was... I mean, people loved it. It was silly. I mean, it was one of those things that during the season, I don't even know what the months the actual season was, but during the season, really the only thing to do on Friday nights was go to a stupid high school football game. And so the, the clicks were like football players and cheerleaders and... Like, the band did the band play a prominent role? The band had its own sort of clique. Uh, I was never a part of either of those things. Is there a clique you would have identified with, or were you like I was sort of a floater? No, 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 clicks. I no, I wasn't beyond them. <laughs> no, no, no. You were actively trying to pursue each clique. <laughs> I, yes, I was trying to put my foot in every clique I could. Um, I was sort of a floater, I guess. Maybe I don't know. I was like the movie kid in my high school. Yeah, you know, every school. Had Everyone one. was like, "Yo, Z." What's the wreck? Yeah. And you're like, Shrek too. Or yeah, exactly something like that. Or or the, it wasn't even like that like knowledgeable. They'd be like, they'd be like, oh, that's the guy that makes the little dumb movies. Oh, like, right, because you made them. It wasn't just I, that you were talking about no, them. No, 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 no. I was weird. I was a weird kid when I was I was like very strange and probably an asshole. I was kind of an asshole in high school, like insecure and all that stuff. Everyone was strange though. If right. someone wasn't strange, I don't trust them. No, I was just like, I wouldn't want to be around me. Now, if I had to hang out with me, like back in high school. So I wasn't really like, you know, I guess people talked to me. That was nice. Yeah. Then. You had <laughs> verbal communication. Yeah. But it was very much like you see in the movies. Like, like Heather's is too far. Like Heather's is not what it was like. Yeah. Ferris Bueller's day off somewhat of what it was like, but I never skipped school. I was too scared to do that. Yeah. What so, would you have done? Go into the mall? <laughs> well, yeah. It's what people do. Like people... People like go home to their house when they're parents. Like, because <laughs> a lot of people work full time. Yeah. And so... You know, people go home to their empty house and be like, have a friend over. And that yeah, was cool. Be like, like, <laughs> yeah, But I thought it would just ruin my future. So I never did that. Um, and look, here you are doing a, a friend's the, the, podcast. I know. Annie Lloyd's probably, this is crazy. You really <laughs> didn't ruin stay, your Stay future. in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a specific audience that. of a bunch of 13-year-olds who live in various rural communities right. around America. They're thinking about it. They're thinking about it, but your words are going to change their minds right. forever. Right. Cross country was sort of a big thing in my high school. For the kids that didn't play sports, I did cross country. And, you know, there's a lot of space, so you can sort of run around fields as much as you want and just tire yourself out. And then go home. Yeah, that seems like an effective hobby. Yeah, fields um, was a big thing. I guess we have a lot of fields. Yeah. I just realized something. Where did, were there any cultural venues? Like, did you ever see a concert in Columbia? Well, yeah. There's um, Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is sort of a big one. Like, Animal Collective came from Maryland, close to where I grew up. And they played their first big show at Meriwether Post. And so they have their first album or not, maybe not their first, but one of their but albums their is called, one, yeah. it's called Meriwether Post named after that venue. And that's kind of the big one. Like the, how far the, away is it? It's like, it's, it's right next to the mall. So it's oh, like damn. 15 minutes. It's like really smack dab. Really everything it's right was around that there. Mall. Like that was right there. And they're like, they're totally revamping it 
now. Like not, they're just adding to it now. Like there's a bunch of apartment buildings that just went up there that are very strange because like they're these big sort of like fancy apartments that are going up and they're putting all these new, like they're trying to like put all these new stores in the mall and all this. It's like very weird. How far is it from DC and Baltimore? It's sort of right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people work in either city yeah. and commute. It's like a kind of a commuter city or commuter uh, village, like town. It's like, I would say like 30, 25 or 30 from Baltimore and maybe like 40 from DC. Did, was there a preference of where, would you guys ever like spend a weekend day going into one of them or? Yeah, it was mostly, I would say probably mostly Baltimore, like the inner Harbor we would sort of go to with my family on the weekends or something. The Smithsonian's are great in DC. Um, the museum's there, and they're all free. So I definitely remember going there a fair deal of times, but much more to Baltimore because it was like kind of an easier place to get to and fun. It's surprising that there would be commuters from who would go to Baltimore and DC, but yet your city felt apolitical or like felt. It was. I just felt like you just didn't really talk about stuff. I don't. I think people had. I mean, people definitely had opinions. Oh, yeah, of course. But being so, being smack dab in the middle of like two of the most. It's a little strange. It was a little strange. And that people may have had different experiences, but that was sort of just the world that I sort of grew up in. And I doubt it was only you. Yeah. I'm sure that a lot of kids had parallel experiences. Yeah, it was strange. Definitely. Um, Well, I want to wrap up with a few random questions about your town. If you could describe like your favorite part of the town and why it's your favorite, please do. Like my, I really like my house. Like, like it's really, yeah. Like, like there's no other part. That's just, I mean, I'm sure your I house is great. So, no, it's okay. I just love that's if I had to be there and they said you could be anywhere, that's exactly where it would be. Just on my lawn. Or like, nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I was, at, um, if I had to pick something that's not there, Oh, I don't know. It's like been a long time. Maybe Centennial Lake which is sort of a nice lake you can walk around. Yeah, that seems it's a lake. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't much going on. Not much. I am very intrigued despite that. Um, <laughs> the, I do want to ask, is there anything that you would, besides your house? Yes. Is there anything that you would either want to bring from Columbia to L.A. or vice versa? Well, there definitely needed to be more like good restaurants in Maryland. So I would... I would swap it. I would say I would bring Daikakuya from Little Tokyo on East First Street. Check it out. To Sajuta's Better Ramen. Check it out. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is for another podcast. Uh, I would bring that home to Maryland because it needs more like good places to eat. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Was there- Actually, I'm going to do one more. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna take that. I'm going to take that restaurant. I'm going to put it in Maryland. And in the place that I'm going to put it is a sushi place called Sushi Sono, which is the one pretty amazing restaurant in Maryland. And I would take that and move it to LA so my parents couldn't get it and I could have it. Got it. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. What, your favorite food that, in Colombia? That was it. What makes Sushi Sono so great? They have great quality fish that they have like All right, because sh- you're near- in the coast yeah but they ship some of it in from like some of it from japan which is sort of insane and then there's a lot of water around so there's like a lot of fresh stuff and i've been going there my family's been going there for years so like they know us when we walk it's like the one place where like they know us and it feels really great to go in there and talk to the to the was it like a place where you guys would go for a celebratory meal oh yeah any like my bar mitzvah meal was there we would go on like a wednesday night we like it was like you do it for big occasions, but you'd also just do it because you wanted to go yeah. and everyone in our family really liked it. So it was like, it, yeah, so big occasions were definitely there with more people or it would just be our family and we'd just go. 
I was going to ask something else, but you mentioned your bar mitzvah, so I <laughs> want us to talk about that. Just elaborate <laughs> on what your bar mitzvah experience was like oh, and gee- what specifically about having a bar mitzvah in Columbia, Maryland. Oh man, cheapers creepers. So my mom, I have a brother and my mom wanted, basically threw our bar mitzvahs like they were our weddings because she had this feeling that she wasn't going to be able to plan our weddings if we had married, you know, a woman. So then she just, it was a huge, it was like catered. It was in this big event, this ballroom called Ten Oaks Ballroom. Wait, but you didn't have simultaneous permits because your brother No, no, they were, but they were both like- This, okay. The, this, these big to-dos. Like she rented out Ten Oaks Ballroom, which is a big event space by our high school. She invited everyone we've ever known. And there was a, like, you know, there are a number of those that, you know, we were involved in the Jewish community. My family was also like, we would go to synagogue when we were younger. We sort of fell out of it, but there's sort of a big Jewish population there. And they all sort of group together. They go to Sunday school together and some of the families like hang out and things like that. So that was sort of like my family, my family's like best friends in the neighborhood or like another Jewish family and things like that. But so yeah, it was sort of a big thing. And you would go to every bar mitzvah of the of the year you were in Sunday school like people would just their invites were just sort of mandatory for the It was like kids. wedding season but yeah. it was bar mitzvah Yes season. yes exactly exactly so you'd go in these like these buildings basically we went to Sunday school in these buildings that were built in the 60s and have not been updated since the 60s so it's like really kind of like so 60s now that I think about it it was like insanely 60s architecture that I like grew up in all the time like like weird rock floors and, and like slanted wood roofs. And I don't know, it was pretty cool, but that's just sort of like the community centers that sort of came up and they were, they're all interfaith. And so that was also a big thing about Columbia is that it was supposed to be a big interfaith. It was supposed to be, everyone could live there of different faiths and like would live right next to each other and use the same spaces. So yeah, that was sort of the big thing. It was bar mitzvah season. I don't know what else you want to know about bar mitzvahs. It's like a whole thing. That would be a podcast addendum. Yeah. Um, well, that seems like a good sum up of your bar mitzvah experience. And it, we can. It was just too. If I could do it in two words, it would be too much. Too much. Yeah. Too much. Or a lot. A lot of too much. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you, Zach Madden, for coming on to this podcast. Thanks for having me. I was a little nervous. We got to talk about so many things. I know. It turned I out really good. I have learned a lot more about Columbia than I thought I would. And everybody should look it up and look up the Whole Foods Frank Gary house and look up cold cases in your hometown. Let me know the freakiest ones. And with that, we will end this podcast. Tune in next time. I have no idea when next time will be. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys.